Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. minister to us uh, some wonderful truths from the word of God. We're so excited about what God's doing in our churches and in our ministry. Uh, all the things that God is uh, moving us into. Uh, 2023 is truly going to be that year of turning and returning, a year of turning and, and forward momentum. And we're believing God uh, for that more and more as we see the things that he's doing in our, in our midst. We have been in this uh, series of walk of faith over the last number of weeks, uh, primarily uh, because the Lord spoke to us and he said that we're entering a season that was going to require the walk of faith. And that word uh, required just stuck out to me uh, because it's not something, and uh, Pastor Michelle said this a number of times, and I'm reiterating on it and, and following it up. It's not something that uh, we have to be concerned about or we have to be worried about. It's There are things that God wants to bring into our lives that it's going to require the walk of faith in order to walk in them. And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 has been our uh, golden text, if you would, for this uh, series. And it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. It says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. The Amplified Bible says we regulate our lives by our conviction. And then the end of that verse in the Amplified Bible says, not by something seen. So we are to live by faith. We're to live by faith. Uh, Romans 1.17 tells us the just will live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says we walk by faith. So we're to live by faith and to walk by faith. Now, the question then is how do we do that? If we're supposed to live by faith and walk by faith, how do we do that? In Hebrews 11.1, 1, we get our definition of uh, what faith is. And... We've went to this every message in this series, and I want to continue because we have to keep revisiting these truths so that we can understand and comprehend uh, the uh, direction that God wants us to go. Hebrews 11.1, 1, and it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And the word faith, faith by definition, is the conviction of the truth of anything or being convinced that something is true. So we've made the statement in the series, once I'm convinced, then faith has come. 
All right. And faith, faith, being convinced that something is true is the substance, the the grounds, the uh, substructure, the foundation. All right. And notice it says of things hoped for. All right. What I'm expecting, the picture that I have, the evidence, the word evidence is proof, the proof of things not seen. So the proof is not in the end result. The proof is in the believing. All right? The proof is not in the manifest results. The proof is in the faith, in my believing. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, the proof of things not seen. Now, so once I'm convinced, then faith has come. Faith has kind of become this uh, word in 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 Christian circles, even our circles, uh, you know, somebody will go, well, you know, now, brother, you just have to have faith. In other words, just hold in there and, you know, just have faith and, and you know, we'll see what, what happens. If I have faith, I have the thing I have faith for. Because faith is of the, uh, faith is of the same amount, if you will, of the thing hoped for. All right? If if I have faith for something, then I have that thing. I have I have received it, I have taken it, I have uh, uh, procured it by faith. So when I say by faith, that has to be a reality to me. I really have it because I have it by faith. All right? It's not me just saying yeah, I think one day I'm going to get it. If I have it by faith, then I have it because I have it by faith. All right? So once I'm convinced, faith has come, and then the proof is in the believing. And once faith has arrived, then I have to be in a position to operate my faith. And there are things that have to be added to my faith to be sure my faith's operating at its highest level, all right? We call them faith additives. There's things that have to be added to my faith. And in Second uh, Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, we, uh, we see some of these. We talked about uh, the last time on Wednesday, we talked about adding love to our faith. Now notice Second Peter chapter 1, and uh, we'll start here in verse 5. He says, And beside all this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you, and abound, they will make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now notice, he says, giving all diligence, add to your faith these things. So adding to these, thing, these things to our faith is not to be a side issue. 
All right, other translations, the New English Bible says, make every effort to add these things to your faith. The Amplified Bible says, employ every effort to add these things to your faith. Uh, the, the Wiest Bible says, make every intense effort to add these things to your faith. So adding these things to our faith is important because we read it right here in the scripture. It's important because without them, he said, you'll be barren, you'll be idle and unfruitful, unproductive. All right, that's what the word barren means. It means to be idle. Uh, to be unfruitful means to be unproductive. And then Peter said that one of the additives that had to be added to our faith was temperance. Temperance had to be added to our faith, all right? Temperance is a word that simply means self-control, all right? So he says you have to add this virtue, all right, of temperance or self-control. And, 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 and when you talk about self-control, that's the virtue of a person who masters his desires and masters his passions, all right? He masters his desires and he masters his passions. So the level of self-control I possess will often determine the level to which my faith operates. Self-control can determine the level to which my faith operates. A lack of self-control causes faith to die. It causes it to be unproductive. All right? Now, when we talk about self-control, we talk about temperance uh, and a lack of self-control. That can be uh, temper, out-of-control temper. It can be out-of-control passions. It can be out-of-control emotions. It's a lack of self-control. All right? I've, I've known people before that had tremendous giftings, tremendous callings, tremendous ministerial abilities but they had no self-control and where there's a lack of self-control all right faith is going to have a, a difficult time operating for instance if you don't have control if you don't have self-control to budget your finances you're going to have a hard time believing God for abundance because you don't have control of your money all right your money's your it, it's your it's you're spending it as quick as it will come in all right uh, a budget is self-control. And, and while it may not seem like a spiritual thing, it's you're causing your flesh to say, we're only going to spend this money in this manner. All right? Are you following me? I, I, I remember the time that uh, I was helping a man with his finances. And now I'm not a financial expert. I'm not an investment expert. Uh, there are people you can pay to help you do that, all right? But I was just helping him with a basic budget. And uh, he brought me all of his bills, and after, at the end of all of his bills, and we calculated what he made every month, I said, is this all that you are spending? He said, yes. I said, because from what I see uh, uh, at, the, at the end of the month, you should have, and I believe it was like 400 to $600 uh, a month left over. And uh, I said, is this all that you have? And he said, yes. And finally, I just asked him, and I was prompted by the Holy Spirit. Is $400 is what it was. I was prompted by the Holy Spirit. 
And I said, do you eat out a lot? And he said, every meal. Every meal. Now, think about that. Every meal, that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. All right? Well, I, I, I mean, I know there's places you can go. Well, you used to be able. I don't know if you still can. But there's, there, you know, there's places you can go to get, you know, something small for 4 or $5, I guess. But just if you just round off the average, all right, an average meal is about 10 bucks. I mean, you know, for one person, even if you go to fast food, all right? So, you know, that's, that's $30 a day, 30 60 90 120 you know, uh, 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 $150 a five-day work week, that's $150. Do you see how he was eating his, eating his abundance up? All right, because you, you take that $150 and you times it times four, well, there's his $600, all right? And it was all going to his eating out. Now, there's nothing wrong with eating out if you've got the money to eat out. But do, do you see, he wanted something to happen, all right? He wanted to believe for abundance, but he was not exercising self-control. And so you have faith, you can build faith for abundance, you can get in the word about abundance, but if you're not willing to control your spending, all right, you're going to have a hard time walking in faith where your money's concerned. And, and we could go a lot, of, a lot of places with that, all right? I, I, I mean, if, uh, if you're going to believe God to be healthy, then you're going to exercise self-control in your eating habits, your exercise habits. Amen. Hallelujah. Be, be, because I, I have trouble exercising faith for God to heal diabetes, right? When I want to drink pop and I want to eat cake and I want to eat cookies. You see what I'm saying? And that may seem elementary, but that very often is where the faith fight is lost for some people because they're not doing their part. Oh, hallelujah. That it, it can be emotions. You know, emotions out of control. Just letting your emotions run away with you. Uh, if, if that's the kind of person that I am, then I'm going to have a hard time for my faith to work because I have no self-control. I had to learn this early on in, the, in, in, our, in our marriage, in Pastor Michelle and I's marriage. I had to learn it early on when the Lord took into the Scripture in the book of Proverbs and said, the man that cannot control his own spirits like a city without walls. All right? In, in other words, he's just open to whatever the enemy wants to do. And I had to learn that I have to get control of my emotions and I have to get control of my temper. I have to get control of my anger. All right? Because I want my faith to work. Glory to God. Do, do you see that? See, faith doesn't work unaided. Faith doesn't work unaided. I, I can build my faith, but then the, I have a part in it. You know, it's, it's kind of like getting married. Well, getting married was the easy part. Staying married is where the work comes in. All right? Because, because in order to stay married... I got to change. In order to stay married, I got to do something different. I got I to gotta start putting the other person first. All right? So getting faith, if we could say it that way, is the easy part. Faith comes by hearing. Walking it out is when you face the challenges. Oh, glory. Now, in Galatians 5, 
we're going to move away from the budget and the cake and, and uh, uh, get back over here where you'll amen me a little bit. Amen. Uh, Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now notice that. The fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All right? So once again, we have this word temperance or self-control. That self-control is a fruit of the reborn human spirit. When Paul wrote here in Galatians by the, the uh, 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 inspiration of the Holy Ghost, this is not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the reborn human spirit. And notice he says that one of the fruit of the reborn human spirit is self-control. That's a fruit of the reborn human spirit. And it has to be developed right along with my faith. Because here, here's something I've learned. You cannot develop strong faith without developing the additives to your faith. All right? When you're developing strong faith, you're developing the additives to your faith. Oh, hallelujah. You know, in any area of life, everybody has something that, uh, a certain thing that they really like to do. And it's usually the thing that comes natural to me. All right, uh, but if you want to develop things overall, you you've got to work things out equally. You've got to develop things equally. All right. I mean, when you were going to school, uh, there were some of you you enjoyed math. There were some of you that you enjoyed English. There were some of you that you enjoyed another subject. All right. But if you wanted to be well-rounded and you wanted to pass and you wanted to have a good grade point average. You had to develop yourself in all of those, if not equally, all right, at least to some measure equally. I may not have ever done as well in math as I did in English, but I still had to put forth the effort to develop myself in math, all right? When, when you're physically taking care of your body and you're going to the gym, I mean, you know, it, there, there, there are those things that you just... If not, you enjoy doing it. They're just easier for you than other things. All right? For, for instance, uh, when, when, when I go to the gym, it's, it's easier for me to work my legs than my shoulders. All right? Every, a shoulder workout for me is always work. All right? Why? Because brothers, genetics or whatever it is, that's something that takes more effort for me. Now, leg workout, I can work out my legs all day long, put, run you in the ground working out legs, all right? I, I like doing pull-ups. I like doing bent-over rows. I, th those are the things I enjoy doing. But here's the thing. If you're not careful, every time you go to the gym, you'll just do what you enjoy, and what comes natural and what comes easy, right? When I've learned I have to do a whole body workout, I have to hit it all, all right? Am I making sense? Because, because if, if not, 
then you got somebody that looks like a brick house up top and looks like a straw house down below. Are you following me? Amen. Or, or, or you got somebody that's got huge biceps and little spindly shoulders. Well, you can tell what they spend their time working on. Amen. And, and when you see somebody, oh, hallelujah, that's trying to develop their strong faith, they also need to be developing the additives to their faith. I'm working on my self-control. I'm doing that because I'm working on my faith. I used to have a friend that would say, I'm, or, or a minister, excuse me, not a friend, uh, a minister that I knew of, and he would say, I'm working on something. I'm, I'm working on this. I'm working on that. And, and, and in other words, he was saying, I don't have time to get offended. I don't have time to get mad. I don't have time to get upset. Why? I'm working on something. Amen. When you're working on something in your physical health, for instance, if you're trying to, to lose weight, you don't have time for cookies. You don't have time for chocolate pie. You don't have time for all the junk food, right? That did what? That put the excess on you that you want to get rid of. Amen. You are going to be required to walk by faith in the season that's coming up. We're required to do it Every season, the Bible says the just live by faith, all right? So that means that anything, anything that could hinder the operation of my faith, I'm putting it away from me, I'm, I'm, I'm quieting it down. Why? Because I'm adding these additives to my faith so that my faith will not be idle or unproductive. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, you have strong working faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Isn't God good? Do, do you see this? And it's this, it's this self-control that, that Peter centers up on here and that Paul centers up on. All right? Self-control. So that, so that I know that my faith will work correctly. Amen. So because temperance is a fruit of the Spirit, I have to choose to walk in it. I have to choose to develop it. I have to choose to do that. Uh, in Galatians 5.16, notice what it says. He says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All right, Paul says walk in the Spirit. In other words, regulate one's life or be occupied with. It's the same word that we get from we walk by faith and not by sight. So I regulate my life by faith. And then Paul says here that we regulate our life by the Spirit or spiritual things. Or in other words, I'm occupied with spiritual things. All right? I'm not so much occupied with the things of the natural and the things of the flesh as I am occupied with the things of the Spirit. And notice, this is a choice. All right? This is something that I choose to do. I choose to regulate my life according to these fruit of the Spirit. I choose that. I, uh, whatever fruit of the Spirit we're talking about, I choose to have self-control. I choose to be patient. I choose to be kind. I choose to be loving. It's my choice. All right? And when I'm doing that, I'm aiding my faith. Oh, glory to God. 
Amen. You know, if you've ever been believing God for something, and maybe something come up that upset you, maybe something came up that, that frustrated you. I mean, it could be anything from driving in traffic to bad service at the restaurant to uh, a family member uh, upsetting you, whatever it is. When, when that issue happened, if you lost any measure of your self-control, it took a period of time for you to pull everything back down. Now watch. And for you to get back over in a state where you were believing like you were. All right? Because it threw your game off a little bit. But I can, I can choose to do this. I, I choose to be occupied with self-control. Amen. Try that out. Say, I choose to be occupied with self-control. See, I choose to do that. I choose what my eyes look at. I choose what my ears hear. I choose what my mouth says. I choose the actions that I take. I can be occupied with self-control. All right? Amen. And, and as I'm occupied with it, my faith is productive. My faith is busy. My faith is producing. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see that? When any part of our flesh is out of control, it'll hinder the working of my faith. And, and please understand, that's, we're not just talking about sinful behavior. Obviously, that's a challenge. That is, that is uh, not anything that you want to be involved with. But we're not just talking about sinful behavior. We're talking about your attitudes. You know, there are people, especially we see it nowadays, whose attitudes are just out of control. Just, I mean, over the top. When, when any part of our lives are out of control, it'll hinder the working of my faith. All right? That's why the Bible says, I want you to be temperate. I want you to be self-controlled. All right? When, when you go into a room, and, you know, we call it, when I was a boy growing up, it was a really big thing to have a temperature-controlled room, all right? Well, what that meant was basically that you, had, uh, that you had central air, central air, central heat, all right? Because you could control the temperature in the whole room. You know, with just a window unit in the window, you can't control the temperature in the whole room. You can control the space, but not the whole house, not the whole building. But if you got central air and heat, you, it's, it's central to the house, and you can control all of it, all right? So when you are temperate, you are in control, all right? Th think about this. If you're in your house and it's hot, you can just go over to the thermostat and turn it down, and what will happen? You'll get cool. Hallelujah. If, if you're cold, right, you can go over and turn it up, and what will happen? You'll get warm. Now watch, who's in control of that? You are. What, what, what are you in control of? The temperature, the temperance in the room. You are controlling the environment. Hallelujah. As believers, we control the environment of our life. I, I control what goes on. I, my, my mind is my mind. My body is my body. It must do what I demand that it do. 
And when you're walking in self-control and you're walking in temperance, your faith will be working at its highest level. Oh, hallelujah. That's why you can't allow things like frustration to sneak in and start trying to dominate your life. Whether it's frustration with people, frustration with circumstances, frustration with whatever. All right, you can't allow that frustration to, to, to uh, 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 creep in and start controlling things. All right? Because I am in charge of that. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. So self-control has to be added to my faith. All right? My attitude, my mindsets, my actions. It's so important. Amen. Because if, if there's that area that there's no self-control, it's going to hinder my faith. You know, I've been around people before, and, and their favorite thing to do is just give people a piece of their mind. I mean, that's what they would say. Now, nobody's going to talk to me like that. That's a sure sign they're out of control. Amen. Do, do you understand that? And, and oh, there's so much that we could get into here. And on a Wednesday night, our power, you know, I can't, I can't get into all of it. But the, the, the point is, is when somebody has to respond, it's a sure sign that there's no temperance. I don't have to respond. I remember one time a person was so mad at me, a family member. They were so angry at me, all right, because of a decision that I had made. And uh, I have a, uh, I have a, a rule in my life. I, I do not defend myself. And, and understand what I mean by that. If, if you think I'm wrong about something, that's fine. You have a right. But I'm not going to spend time defending myself. I've made the decision and that's what I'm going to do. I had a family member that was so angry at me, so mad at me over a situation that was really not even any of their business. They called me and began to talk to me about it and ask me questions. And I said, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. I've made the decision I made. I have nothing to say. And they started getting louder, and the tone started getting louder. You tell me. You, you have to tell me. I said, no, I don't. I'm, I'm not going to talk about this. They were yelling in the phone. I was holding my phone. I was, I was walking home at the time. We didn't live far from the office. I was walking home, and I was holding the phone out from my ear while they yelled at me. You have to tell me. I said, no, I don't. I, I don't have anything to say. All right? They were out of control. But watch, it did not cause me to get out of control. Amen. Why? Number one, there's things I was believing for. No, number two, I will not allow people to drag me down to the level they're on. All right? I'm, I'm going to stay above the fray. Right? And walk in the Spirit. And walk in the things of God. You disarm the enemy when you refuse to sink to their level. And when I say the enemy, I'm not talking about people per se. 
the, the spirit behind those people. You disarm the enemy when you refuse to be brought down to that level. I won't argue with you about anything. Not, I promise you, not one thing will I argue with you about. I'll tell you the truth. If you ask for my opinion, I'll give it to you, but I'm not going to argue with you. Why? Because that hinders faith. That hinders the working of your faith. While you're arguing with somebody about something that really doesn't matter, your faith is being hindered. And, and, and I can't afford to do that. Because if I'm arguing and I'm trying to prove my point, eventually I'm going to get out of love. And if I get out of love, Galatians says faith works by love. Faith is energized by love. Amen. So what would temperance, what would self-control do? Hey, you know what? It don't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, if you're right, praise God. If I'm right, praise God. It really doesn't matter. In the long-term scheme of things, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I think sometimes about when we get into eternity and we're living in, in, in eternity after the rapture of Christ or or if we go by way of the grave, and I, I am really wondering if we're going to get to heaven and look back on some of the things that really bothered us and see how insignificant they were. They really didn't matter. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? Yeah, but that, that person just rubs me the wrong way. Quit letting them. Hallelujah. Somebody told Charles Capps one time, they said, what you teach is, is like rubbing the cat's fur backwards. And Brother Cap said, turn that cat around. Rub it the right way. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, that, now hear me. That doesn't mean that you're not right in, in some of the things that you believe, but don't lose your self-control over it. Right? Because the person you're dealing with may not have anything on the line, but I know you do. You got things you're believing God for. You got more that you're believing to press into. There are people that you know and I know. There are people that I'm talking to tonight. You have health issues for yourselves and for loved ones that you're believing God for and you're standing in faith about. Don't, don't get over there and lose your self-control. Keep that additive to your faith. Oh, hallelujah. Now, in uh, 2 Peter 1 and 6, we'll go back there. Peter says, after uh, temperance, there's another additive we want to deal with tonight. He says, and to temperance, notice, and, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance, here you go, patience. Patience. So next, Peter says, add to your faith patience. That word patience, it, is, it means steadfastness, constancy, and then cheerful or hopeful endurance. Steadfastness, constancy, cheerful or hopeful endurance. Now, I've said over the years, patience is not just waiting, all right? Sometimes people think patience is just waiting. Well, I'm just, I'm waiting on God, so I'm just going to be patient. 
Well, patience is not just waiting. Patience is how we wait. Because notice how the word is defined. Steadfastness, constancy, and, and here is a meaning, cheerful or hopeful endurance. So if I'm being patient, I'm being steadfast, I'm being constant, I'm being cheerful, and I'm being hopeful. That's patience. It, it, it's the idea of endurance. And you're enduring cheerfully, hopefully, steadfastly, and constant. See, your goal as a believer is to be the same. That's part of being patient. No matter what you encounter, you're the same. All right? Ever what situation you encounter, you're the same. Well, well, why? Number one, it's the fruit of the reborn human spirit that comes from God, and God is the same. All right? He's the same every day. You can expect the same answer every day about everything. You can expect the same reaction from God every day about everything because he's constant. Hallelujah. And so you want to be constant. What I've, what I've seen over the years that harms people's faith is this inconstancy, all right? They're up one day and down the next, or, or they're up for a week and then they are down for a month, or, uh, you know, we call it waffling or flip-flopping. Here's the thing. What you believe today should be what you were believing six months ago. You're constant. You're growing. You're learning more about what you believe. But you're constant. When you say this is the way it is, then that's the way it is. You're steadfast in what you believe. Uh, my son and I, my oldest son and I, uh, uh, used to go to a, uh, uh, the world's largest scenario paintball game every year. We would go every year. It's in Wyandotte, Oklahoma. And uh, it was called the, the D-Day paintball event. And it was a, a, a reenactment uh, in paintball terms, of the D-Day invasion. Huge place, and, and really, really a, a, a fun event, really a good event. And every year, I would take a group of men from the church, and we would volunteer for the U.S. Army Rangers. And when you got there, you had to go through Ranger training. You got a real cool Ranger band. I mean, quality stuff. And, and, and it was work. I mean, to be a Ranger was work. You had to go through extra training. You had to go through an obstacle course. Uh, you went on special missions that, that although, I mean, you knew you weren't going to be really in harm's way, but they were rough. Up, up and down the sides of, 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 of uh, rock faces and, and hills and across la or lakes, across creeks, across streams. It, it was really fun. And uh, every year, that's, that's who we signed up to be with. And... Uh, one night I came uh, back, I'd, co I'd come back from, uh, I believe I'd come back from meeting up at the cafe on the grounds there, and uh, I came back to our tent, my son and I shared a tent, and uh, he had one of his buddies in the tent, and I could just hear him talking, you know, you can hear clearly through a tent, and uh, his buddy was with the Germans that year, and he said, you know, next year you guys ought to sign up to be with the Germans, and I heard my son say, no. He said, you don't know my dad. He said, that man, he will not be anything other than an American. And I've, I've heard him say that about me about a number of different things. 
Why? I determined years ago, I saw so much wishy-washiness in people. I saw so much flip-flopping. I saw so much in, in instability and a lack of steadfastness. I remember at a very young age making the determination, that will never be me. I will be constant about what I believe. All right? I'll be steadfast about what I believe. Amen. Now, hear me. I haven't always been hopeful or cheerful, but I've made the decision years ago, I am going to be the same. If you talk to my wife and say, what's one of the things that you love the most about your husband? She'll say, he's always the same. He's always the same. You know, it's a challenge in a marriage to not know who you're going to wake up with tomorrow. Are you going to get happy husband or grumpy husband? Right? Are you going to get loving wife or barracuda wife? Which, which one are you going to get? You know? Now, in our churches, we have loving husband and happy wife. All right? But here's my point. Imagine the instability that would bring in a home if you didn't know what to expect when the husband came home. Or you didn't know what to expect when the wife came home. It would cause instability. And part of developing the fruit of patience is this steadfastness, this constancy. All right? Patience is the characteristic of a man who will not be swerved from his deliberate purpose. I will not be swerved from my deliberate purpose. I, I, le I learned years ago, I went to a whole other level about patience when I started running marathons. Because when you're at the starting line, here's what's in your mind. I have 26.2 miles to run. All right? And when we make the statement, it's a marathon and not a sprint. See, what is being said there is you pace yourself. You are steady. You are constant. All right? Now, in, in all races, even in marathons, especially if you're competing, your split times get faster, all right? Because, and especially in a marathon, you are starting out, you're not starting out as fast as you're going to finish. Because why? Well, you, to some extent, you're conserving. Although you want to run a respectable time, you're still not running, you know, as fast as you normally would. Now, a sprint, from the beginning, it's all out, right? Because it's 100 meters, it's 200 meters, it's 400 meters. Those, those are sprint races, right? 100 meters, 400 meters, 200 meters, all right? Some people would call 800 meters a sprint. I don't know. But the point is, is it's all out. There's no conserving, all right? When someone's running the 100 meters, there's no conserving. It's immediate, right? And, and they're gaining in speed as they're going. When you're running a marathon, you start off conservatively. And you build in your speed. But what you have done, now watch, that's why it requires patience. Because if you start thinking about mile 26.2, at mile 2, you're whipped. Because you still got 24.2 miles to run. 
That's why they say in a marathon, the race begins at the 22nd mile. That's when the race begins. That's when you'll see people start backing off or quitting or pulling out. Why? Be, be, because either they're, I remember, can I share this story with you? I remember one time I was running the, uh, uh, what now is the Olathe Marathon, used to be the Garmin Marathon. And uh, Brother Jim Molson had, that year had run the half marathon, and I was running the full marathon. And uh, about, uh, let's see, 18, was it 18 miles into the race, I did something to my right leg. I, I, to this day, I really still don't know what it was. It was, it was so painful. And, uh, well, I, I knew I could keep going. I have a decent pain threshold, so I knew I could keep going. And I got to the turnaround point. And there was a guy there that was running his first marathon. And I'd ran with him the whole race. And he, uh, he stopped beside the track, uh, beside the, 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 the route, and kind of sat down. And I just stopped right there by him. I said, come on, man. Uh, we, we can go. We only got like eight miles to go. I said, we can run eight miles in our sleep. We got this. Only eight miles to go. And he said, well, yeah, okay. And and he, and he got up, and he trotted a little bit, and his mindset was just, I can't. I just can't. Well, here, here's what I'm trying to explain to you. What I saw in that moment was when you're in an endurance race, when you're in a stand of faith, right, and it's requiring patience, it's requiring constancy, it's requiring steadfastness, it's how you think in that moment that's going to determine if you finish. All right? See, I was thinking I've only got eight miles to go. He was thinking we still have eight miles to go. You see the difference? I was cheerful and hopeful. He wasn't. Amen. You are in this stand and walk of faith for the long haul. All right? Because remember, when you've received it by faith, you've received it. And it may be a little bit before the physical manifestation appears, but it will appear if you stay patient. All right? Notice... Notice in uh, Hebrews chapter 10. So again, patience is the characteristic of a man who will not be swerved from his deliberate purpose. I won't be swerved from my deliberate purpose. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. He says, cast not therefore away your confidence which hath great recompense of reward for you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Notice, patience keeps me in the game. Patience keeps me in the game. This is so important. Patience, that's what keeps you moving. After we've done the will of God, we have to employ patience to receive. What's the will of God? I have believed that I receive. Now employ patience, and it's just a matter of time. I believe I'm healed. 
employ patience. It's just a matter of time. All right? Because you believe you're healed. You're healed by faith. You be patient. It's just a matter of time. You're going to walk in the manifestation of it. Oh, hallelujah. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 11, we desire that every one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith, notice, and patience receive the promises, inherit the promises. So he said, be followers, be imitators of those who through faith and patience received or inherited the promises. So we're to imitate, notice, not just the faith, but the patience of those that went before us. The patience of those that went before us. Oh, hallelujah. They received the promise through faith and patience. Notice that again. Be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience received the promise. Faith and patience. See, I'm adding that to my faith. Glory to God. Now, let's wrap this up here in Second Peter. Second Peter 1 8. He says, For if these things, these additives that we've been talking about, if they are in you and abound, they make you the so that you will not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if these things, these additives, not just faith, if these things, these additives be in us, will not be idle or unproductive. My faith won't be idle or unproductive. Now, as I'm closing, that's why you got to do a checkup every now and then. When, when you find that there's an area of impatience in your life, you got to deal with it. Well, I'm impatient with people, or I'm impatient with that person, or I'm impatient in traffic, or I'm impatient in the grocery store. you got to deal with that because that's a symptom of an issue that's trying to come up. All right? I got to deal with that. If, if I find that there's an area that I'm out of control, all right, if I put boundaries up and I'm constantly crossing those boundaries, I got to deal with that because it's an area that says this is out of control. Hallelujah. But guess what? I think good things about you and you're dealing with those things if they're there and your faith is working and it's growing exceedingly in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up tonight. Praise God. I'm so glad that you came to church.